Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. So this is it. Uh, this is our post E3 2018 podcast spectacular. Uh, it's been a hell of a week, considering it seems like it's kind of happening earlier and earlier every year. Uh, everything's kind of kicked off last Saturday, the 9th, uh, with Bethesda, and it wrapped up just uh, just 24 hours ago as we finished up E3 2018. And so we've got a lot to talk about, and as a result, I've got almost all of the people that join us uh, for, the, for the E3 2018 event. And so we've got Kyle Campbell. Hello. We've got Adam Vitali. Hey, it's me. Hey. We've got Brian Vitali. Hello. First time on in nearly a year. Yes, and uh, we should we should mark that as well for you and Kyle. It's, it's been quite a while. Natalie Flores also joining us again after a short break. Hello. I say short, but it's been a long time, actually. So yeah. It's nice to have your voice back as well. Uh, James Glizio. Hello. Hello. So it's, it's the crew. Uh, of course... Uh, uh, Josh is uh, likely working on some stuff for the site, and so and he's got some other stuff. So he's gonna he, he didn't wasn't able to join us. Uh, Alex is living in Europe, so it's kind of difficult to find the time for him to fit on here. But uh, hopefully, we'll have him back soon enough. Um, but yeah, he was incredibly busy for the show, uh, and so I'm sure he's got a lot of assignments that he's still kind of uh, heads down on. So for this, though, uh, I wanted to kind of take the time to reflect upon our experience with E3 2018, which was incredible. Uh, so it, it was kind of nuts to see that the fact that, so me personally, I have not attended E3 for a couple years now. Uh, it was my first time missing at E3 since I started going in 2010, but it feels a lot more I would say exciting, you know, uh, than it than it has been uh, for a number of years. I don't know if it's because it's kind of more commercial <laughs> than it's ever been. You know, it's been filling the corners with like Facebook and Twitch and Mixer and all these different peripheral companies. I'm pretty sure I saw five different racing game chair companies at that show. What, what did you guys think? Um, I don't know. I feel like last year was a bit more hectic just because, well, the public was there both years, but this year we actually had some time for industry only hours, like three days on the Tuesday and Wednesday. So like there was parts of the, uh, of the show where we actually could kind of wait in lines and play things and not have to wait hours upon hours just to play one game. If we didn't have an appointment, I don't know. What about you? What do you, what do you think, Natalie? Um, I mean, this was my first E3, so I have nothing to really compare it to. Um, But from what it sounds like, it was a lot better than last year because, like, of course, um, like with any other, like, huge change for an event like this, you kind of want to use the first year to learn where you fell short, what could have been organized better. Um, And I think they generally did a good job. Um, there's more that I would like to see, uh, especially in regards to like maybe having a full day for uh, press people or extended hours, because those three hours that we got on Tuesday and Wednesday, um, a lot of us had appointments during that time. So it was like, we really only had like an hour to, um, to really get around to lining up for the games that we didn't have appointments for. Um, but overall, I think the setup was good. Uh, and I think it, I think everyone was able to enjoy something out of it. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's an important. You pointed out that yes, indeed, this is your very first E3. It, it hasn't been terribly long since you joined us, so it's great to see that you were able to experience that type of event. I'm sure that's been kind of like a bucket list, as it is for a lot of people uh, who get into this line of work, or at least just you know fans of video games in general. And it, it's surely been um, a lot better in terms of the presentation since in the past there was a lot of empty spaces on the show floor, so it felt like you know like voids as soon as you walked past say like the bethesda booth all of a sudden it's just a big open space with some uh you know food stalls or whatever uh same for you adam uh this was your very first e3 uh it's long overdue as we've both everyone has been saying uh that you were able to do this you've been with the site for i believe like four or five years now so i was excited to see uh excited to hear your thoughts about your very first e3 experience yeah i'm usually the one who kind of sticks back and does kind of the home base stuff for the for the site during E3. So this year I finally got the chance to go and kind of echoing what Natalie said, like wandering the booths during the, uh, the media hours, it's still pretty busy because there are a lot of media and industry people who get into those hours. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, what it would have been before 2016. Yes. But, you know, you have the ability to kind of visit and see all these different booths from all these different publishers. But like Natalie said, when we have a much shorter window to do that, and a lot of us, like I personally had appointments during that time, it does make it kind of, uh, you know, I know there is a this sort of privilege that media people kind of want to have to be able to see everything, sure. but it, it does make things kind of difficult. Like, for example, I got to see Dragon Quest, the demo, um, during, I had an appointment time for it. And so I got to play it, I got to experience uh, the demo, and it was really cool. But the thing is, it was split into two. Yes. Like, there's two different demos to do. And I never got around to doing the second one because during the public hours, the line was like an hour or more, an hour or so long. And I just couldn't wait that long, you know, with the appointments I had throughout the day and things like that. So, it's but overall, hard. it was it was a really cool experience. Uh, I've been to con- heavy, I've been to busy conventions before and it's, Similar to that, of course, just kind of a, a notch or two higher in scale. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked about the possibility that you could uh, attend PAX West. Nothing confirmed, obviously, but if you were, uh, that can be just as hectic. Uh, but, you know, same amount of opportunities for us to play. Um, uh, yeah, before I, before I kind of uh, address a little bit more about that, let, let me hear what your thoughts were, Kyle. So it's not been uh, terribly long either uh, since you became sort of a more... I wouldn't say like full time because that's not quite what we do here, but uh, more <laughs> driven, uh, more focused on content for RPG site. And so, uh, what were your thoughts as far as this year? You've been obviously attending well, E3 for a number of years now yourself, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. I've only been to four E3s now, and I, honestly, last year, um, I thought last year was honestly awful. I thought it was terrible. I'm not. It's not a, no no exaggeration. It was. And Brian can attest to it. It was so badly laid out and everyone was angry. Like it felt like the end of, cause for a couple of years now, people have been talking about how E3 is kind of losing like relevance. Like it doesn't, it's not quite the be all end all in it, that it was like Gamescom is a lot bigger and a better, more organized show. Everyone that goes to both says that one's way better. And if you like community stuff, why would you ever go to E3 over PAX? Um, yes. especially when there's packs is like, it seems like there's one every other week. Um, but like it really, like last year, I would, like, I just remember just the, the, the amount of people from the public, it was just, it was so hard to get to any appointment. 
And if you want, had to wait in line, there was no way you were going to get to it. Um, it was just a nightmare. And it feels like they dramatically improved that this year. I think it might have been, I don't know if it was floor planning or if it was the amount of people they let in or the media hours, but you could, there was a lot more room. I don't think, I think they must have capped the amount of tickets sold or something because Brian can attest to this. Last year it was like, it was so awful to like get around the hall even. Um, and, I was pretty, really surprised with this year. This was the best one I've been to. Um, I was really happy with it. And because there was a point, like, even a month ago, I'm like, oh, if it's like last year, like, this will probably be my last D3. But it's kind of the opposite feeling now. Now I'm just going to keep doing it. But it was um, it was great. And I had a really good time. That's that's kind of the thing is that uh, from what I heard last year of people who were uh, exhibiting um, it's because they were all sort of left to their own device as far as how they're going to organize it. Like the ESA who organizes the E3 uh, event, they did not really give any direction. They just said, hey, we're letting all these people in. You figure it out. Uh, so clearly this year they did a much better job. But as you, a few of you are saying, it's that you know Gamescom is definitely presented in a better way. Because you're talking about you know there's nearly if not more than 100,000 people who attend that show. This year, I think they said there was about 68, 69,000 people who attended E3, uh, which is definitely up from last year. Uh, but um, for that show, for Gamescom, they do have a couple days where it's uh, just media Press. and uh, industry people only. And then the rest, also, like from Wednesday to Sunday or something like that, is for the for the public. They also only they have an entire section for just media that's yes. separate from the rest of the show. So Alex always says it's way better. Yeah, there's um, definitely pictures you can see where people are like, I'm glad I'm up here or away from all that. So And Andrea said the same thing, that it's way better. Everyone I've talked to says it's way better. But yeah, she um, did attend uh Gamescom, was it just last year? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, that's right, yes. Uh since she's been pretty busy uh lately. So, yeah. yeah um, uh, so now that we've kind of discussed about our general thoughts about E3 and um, and and what what we how we felt about it, uh, definitely I think I'll actually just you know in general consensus it seems like everyone was pretty happy this year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's kind of the, the thought, and you know it's weird how um, I think a lot of us feel a little anxious about yes the relevancy of E3 and what it means for us as a site and what it means for us as an industry. But it kind of um, tends to also be where, like, just shortly after that, it's like, well, that's all right. You know, like, we got a lot of traffic out of that. We got a really good response from the coverage that we did. Uh, Definitely for us as a site, it was ginormous, and it will, of course, continue on as we continue to post our articles and other coverage on the site. Um, We've got plenty up right now. But let's move into uh, the next big topic that I want to discuss, and that is, of course, the conferences. So um, what we'll do is that I'm going to go through uh, the different conferences, of course, uh, one by one in order of how they were shown. So obviously there will be some sort of uh, cross-pollination here as games were revealed in the conferences for the main three console manufacturers. So of course, you know, like the Division and Kingdom Hearts and these games, they were shown in more than one conference. But I'll kind of focus on uh, the big reveals, uh, as it were, from each of them. And then I'll ask each of you what you thought uh, did the best job and who you thought did the worst job. So we're not going to spend too much time on each particular conference, but more just the kind of general highlights that we've got here, sort of relevant um, highlights. So Things kicked off Saturday morning, uh, last Saturday morning on the 9th, uh, with EA, who revealed 
Anthem, games like Anthem, which was the biggest thing, of course, there. Uh, they spent a lot of time talking to the end with a Q&A session and some gameplay footage. Uh, they showed off Unravel 2, uh, the follow-up that launched that very same day. Uh, features co-op action and everything. Uh, that was fun to see. Battlefield 5 was another big one for them. Clearly not relevant for us as a site, uh, but another big game for EA, which they revealed their Battle Royale mode, which is clearly kind of the big thing. Uh, the next day, Microsoft held their conference where they showed off uh, games like the Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. Exciting to see that. Uh, after it was sort of rumored, Gamatsu, of course, picking up some news about that before the show. And then we got that Dying Light 2 with Chris Avalon, uh, legendary Chris Avalon writer, uh, former of Obsidian, and uh, plenty of other uh, titles that he's worked on, like Planescape Torment. He's one of the writers for that game. Uh, Sekiro, uh, the From Software game that is being published by Activision. Uh, they showed that off for the first time. <clears throat> there was also uh, details about uh, new Ori, um, uh, new Halo, which was what uh, started the conference itself. And then, of course, it ended with the re- uh, real f- uh, first trailer uh, for Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, we've also got there was also things like you know Metro and Devil May Cry, of course. Then it moved on from there with Bethesda uh, that night with on, on Sunday night with. Uh, titles like Fallout 76, Metal Schools Blades, uh, Skyrim Very Special Edition for Alexa, and some teases about Starfield and Metal School 6. Then that Monday, we got Square Enix, which was completely voiced by Keith David, which was pretty hilarious to see. Uh, they revealed things like the Final Fantasy XIV and Monster Hunter World crossover, a collaboration event with both games. Uh, they had, of course, new trailers for Dragon Quest XI, King Marts III, whatever Babylon's, Fa- whatever Babylon's Fall was, which is that Platinum Games title. There was also The Quiet Man, the new title from Human Head Studios, which hasn't been heard since, I think, Prey 2, so that was kind of interesting to see something from them. And then The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, uh, the new title from uh, Don't Nod, the makers of Life is Strange, which is clearly meant to be set up as sort of the, uh, the setup for what lover Life is Strange 2 is going to be. Then we've got Ubisoft, who had The Division 2, uh, with the big gameplay reveal for that after showing it at Microsoft's and uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and uh, what is we found out to be a confirmed RPG Beyond Good and Evil 2. So that was exciting to see as well. And then uh, kind of rounding things out, we've got Sony, who is four big titles that they said they were going to talk about. Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part 2, Marvel Spider-Man uh, from Insomniac, Death Stranding, the latest game from uh, Hideo Kojima's studio. Uh, they also showed some details of uh, the reveal of Remedy's new game Control, uh, the surprise announcement of Neo 2, uh, Deracini, I think it's pronounced, the from software, another From Software game that appears to be a VR adventure game that kind of reminded me a little bit of like Echo Knight or something. And then uh, Kyle's favorite, the Resident Evil 2 remake reveal, which was crazy. Really crazy. <laughs> Shit. And then it. I didn't all, mean to knock over. A bunch so of stuff. excited, knocked over stuff on the table. Uh, and yeah. then it all finished up Tuesday morning with Nintendo. They had a lot to show in their conference as well. First, they had uh, the reveal of Fire Emblem Three Houses, the console Fire Emblem game that we've been waiting for. Uh, they also revealed those new demo for Octopath Traveler. Uh, some Xenoblade Chronicles 2 DLC, whatever that Damon X Machina game, and then, of course, a lot, a lot, a lot of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. 
So that's kind of the, the, the big thing. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different conferences. Of course, that's not counting Devolver and PC Gaming Show. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to go through each of you guys one by one. And, f- and find out what you think was the highlight, the best conference of the show, and what you feel was the, the quote-unquote worst one. I, I think that you know across the board it felt sort of solid for everybody, uh, maybe less than, uh, than others. But you know, uh, let's start with Kyle. What do you think was your highlight, uh, the best conference you think all put together for E3? Uh, it was easily Microsoft. I don't even think it was close. They didn't have like... They didn't really have a banger in the sense that they didn't have any like a, a shocking surprise, but like it was just game after game after game. And even if they're multi-platform, whatever they had the like, like honestly, like one of my the best moments of the show was when we were watching the this trailer and it's like oh demons are invading we have to fight them like oh what the hell is this and then you realize it's Devil May Cry and I'm, I'm like this is the first real Devil May Cry game in ten years. And it was really exciting. I loved that reveal. And yeah, you can. They, sorry to jump in real quick, but you can just hear like chattering in the audience. Like, is this is this Devil May Cry? Is this, it's Devil May Cry, and like kind yeah. of like people realizing it, kind of as it was as the trailer was playing, kind of in the moment. It was really cool. Yeah, that that song uh, that song they played is like super butt rock, and yes. it's perfect for Devil May Cry. Amazing, uh, it, and uh, I mean it, it's not great. I wouldn't listen to it of my own accord, but it is actually that's a lie. I did it a bunch today. Um, yeah. but uh, but yeah, same kind of thing. Anyways, but like Cap, you know Capcom. Um, you know Microsoft had the best for sure. It was just game after game after game. The Cyberpunk reveal was fantastic because they were just like, "And see you all again next year." Blah blah. And then he just gets cut. Phil Spencer gets cut. Um, they when they showed Kingdom Hearts three, they showed the new Frozen area, which was great. Um, it was yeah. I don't have any complaints at all. It was just game after game after game. You know, not every game I'm interested in, and a lot of them are multi platform. But the fact is, they had the best one. Um, I was actually pretty disappointed with Sony's. Yes, I know Resident Evil 2 was like the thing I freaked out about and I was just losing my mind, but like the the, the start of that conference was so bad. Um Ugh. like the, the like what the guy, like what's his name playing like the music from The Last of Us and it's like okay, this is really pretentious. Um I get it. Like Last of Us has like an Oscar-winning composer or whatever. Um I think it literally does actually. I think that guy I can't remember his name, but I think he did like The Road or something. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's the same composer. I mean, just to kind of give people some framework before you continue Kyle, it's just that um it seems like the plan for Sony was that they were going to have different themed rooms for each game that they were going to focus on. Like I said, like <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima, and Yes, Last of Us Part 2, uh Spider-Man and Death Stranding, but it seems like after the first one they kind of scrapped that idea even if they kept the music performances for a couple of them uh and so what you had was that uh there was last of us part two inside of what it felt like was like a barn with a mm-hmm. uh, if you look at pictures that people posted there seemed to be like some sort of potluck that was happening at the time with like a crock pot set up with just like leftovers around and then so they cut extra. to like a big arena and they just got rid of that idea so yeah they and then there was that awful musical performance before Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, that was a that was embarrassing. Like, oh please, that's like e three legend. Um, but uh, they did they did have Resident Evil two, which obviously I'm biased. So, and what what else did they even show? What else did they even show? I mean, like Neo Control and the Quiet Man. Yeah, 
Yeah, they had Neo Two and all that. Neo but 2, um, yeah. but that was oh, that's right. Um, yeah, Microsoft. I forgot they also revealed Sekio, which looks pretty dope on the new Chrome yeah, software yeah. game. Um, but uh, EA's was not you know the anthem was cool but um i don't know that's basically my whole thoughts on it yeah um microsoft's was really good though i I would prefer consistency and great games and and not games that are announced like three years in advance so we never see them again look this is the third anniversary of the final fantasy 7 remake being announced and where is it like what a worthless announcement that was it was exciting at the time now it's like you shouldn't even have bothered (laughs) Yeah, no Shenmue 3 either, uh, but that's just kind of what you'd expect. Um, James, since you've been talking, uh, what were your what was your highlight? What was your favorite conference of the show? I agree with Kyle. It wasn't even close. Definitely Microsoft. I think a big thing about it was is that, and I, maybe this is just my impression, but I feel like the reason a lot of people really liked Microsoft showing is even if they didn't show a lot of exclusives, and the few exclusives they had are coming next year or they are Forza. Um, when they announced that they were not only making a new studio with uh, the initiative, I think it is called. Yes. I'm not sure. That's the new Microsoft. The initiative. And then they bought out a bunch of studios. It was like pre- uh, Playground Games and uh, Ninja Theory. Uh, forget the other two. I'm sorry. Um, they kind of they did what they needed to do. I don't think the Xbox one is going to have some massive like upswing that causes it to outsell the PS4 in the end, but they've definitely laid the groundwork between the work they've been doing with backwards compatibility, the Xbox one X. And now this uh, next generation, I am feeling very good about where Microsoft is uh, kind of standing on their way to it, which is interesting because a lot of people are kind of glossing over the fact that they even technically announced the next Xbox, or at least teased it. They said consoles, by the way, so more than one, clearly, for their plans. Yeah. And what and what did you think was the worst? Do you also agree that it was Sony's? or um, Sony's was the most cringeworthy this year. I think the worst would probably have to be EA, but they're kind of consistent with that, I feel like, that they're kind of don't really announce too much interesting. Like the most interesting thing they announced, I feel like was probably in Ravel 2. And that was mostly because it was a shadow drop. I don't know. Understandable. So how about you, Natalie? Uh, what, were you, what were you feeling was like the best? I know you've got some, you're, you got to see some great stuff at the show itself based on some of the games that were revealed, but who do you think really knocked it out of the park for you? Uh, yeah, I think the resounding, like, pick is Microsoft. Uh, There was really no complaint from me for that conference. Um, Sony has always had the, I guess, the motif, you would call it, um, or like Sony tends to present itself as a conference that cares the most about uh, video games. But for the first time, it feels like they cared more about the spectacle that they were trying to present rather than the actual game itself. Uh, The games themselves. Sorry, I was distracted by that random noise. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so they they cared, you know, when when the spectacle takes over the content rather than the content being enhanced by, you know, the spectacle that they're aiming to present, uh, that's when it becomes a problem, in my opinion. Uh, and Microsoft did the opposite. Microsoft wasn't overly flashy or tried to do really redundant things uh, to make its conference seem unique. But 
Microsoft's really focused on just game after game after game. Uh, so I think that conference just really, really improved the overall show. Uh, because, I mean, for me, um, Ubisoft doesn't tend to have any interesting games ever. Uh, though I am interested in Assassin's Creed Odyssey because you can be a queer woman. Yay. Yes, uh, this will yeah. be your first Assassin's Creed game that you want to buy. Yeah, like diversity sells people. Um, it's all it's also good, but it sells. Um, and EA Play. I mean, the only reason why I watched it was Anthem, and I think they knew that because Anthem was unveiled until the very end. So I think they knew that people were mostly tuning in for Anthem. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't really care for Bethesda games at all, so I didn't watch that. <laughs> that's 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 totally understandable. And yeah, Microsoft had like they said themselves like fifty games to show off, so it feels like that. I assume. Uh, well, yeah, if that's the case, then um, how'd you feel about that, Adam? I think that uh, I think we're all sort of agreeing at this point in, in many respects. I mean, like I know it's it's seems like some people just vague in general here they're like well microsoft's conference was kind of useless to them because there, a lot of these aren't a lot of the games people that, that they showed that people are excited about aren't xbox games whereas like sony showed playstation games yes. like that are only on, on playstation but personally and i think most of you are probably similar like i'm not I th- loyal to loyalty to a platform is kind of silly to me so it's all about the games not the platform they happen to be on you know so just the fact that they just showed a bunch of games from a wide variety, um, that was really cool. And kind of what uh, James said earlier, you know, it seems like they are kind of in motion here. They're, they're, they have the wheels in motion to try and bolster their first-party offerings in the future. So, you know, sure, a lot of the games that they show that are exciting, you can play on PC or on PS4. But, like, I don't... I don't care. I, I just the games they showed were cool, and they showed a they showed a good variety. Some like more indie, smaller budget games. Some really big budget games from big developers, like you know Cyberpunk. And I just think that what they showed was you know kind of uh, encompassed everything that we like about video games. So it was really I'm good. Sorry. I'm sorry for hopping in again, but can we just appreciate the fact that the Tales of Vesperia uh, remaster was announced at Microsoft's conference of all things? Well, it's kind of like last year when they had that was basically our first look at Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, um, that's right. This, you know, well, Tales of Vesperia was an Xbox 360 exclusive in the uh, United States or in the West in, in general, which that was kind of that weird couple of years where Xbox had a couple of exclusive Japanese games, uh, which, hey, worked for me. I bought an Xbox for some of those, yes. even if a lot of them eventually got ported. Uh, and including Vesperia at this point. But, you know, it, it, I like Tales of Vesperia a lot, so it is. it was kind of cool to, like, actually see that on the big screen in the theater, you know, this niche Japanese series. Uh, so that was fun. Definitely agree with that. Uh, what did you feel was, like, the the maybe the most disappointing is better the way to put at it? The disappointing conference? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's got to so, be... One neat. that could have been better. Sorry, go ahead. So, like, I know... I know some people are upset that Square Enix didn't really have like a great streaming. No, I know it wasn't really a conference. Um, you know, their streaming, whatever you want to call it, presentation, because they didn't really reveal anything about Final Fantasy VII remake. They didn't uh, show off anything for like their uh, Avengers games, and I, I don't, I don't remember exactly how many they have. Like they're they're developing more than one, right? 
some of their studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely seems to be the case, the way that they were presenting it. Yeah, but they didn't show anything, you know, that, like, Crystal Dynamics is working on or whatever. Uh, but like, Crystal Dynamics... I could have sworn they had something there. I mean, that was the Tomb Raider, of course. But well, Tomb Raider is weird now because it's it's like mostly being developed by Eidos Montreal now. Yeah. Uh, instead of Crystal Dynamics, so. But like, they showed a bunch of Kingdom Hearts three. They gave it a date. I know it was kind of spread out over the days. Um, I'm really excited for Dragon Quest uh, eleven, and they gave that a pretty long trailer. It had a nice demo on the floor. Uh, they, I know the what was that Babylon's Fall? They didn't really. We don't even know what it is. It was just a CG uh, trailer, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, robots fighting each other with, like, giant, like, claws on ropes or something. It was kind of... But considering how Square Enix in the past has kind of burned themselves for announcing things way too early, uh, I, I wouldn't mind... I don't mind if they if they don't have anything to show for Final Fantasy VII, that they just don't show anything, you know, yeah. rather than yeah. some tease that is kind of useless. Now, who knows when Babylon's Fall will show up again you know like when will we learn more more about it yes uh is it we don't even we don't know if it's an rpg we don't know if it's i mean it's platinum so it could be just pure action game uh we don't know yeah. but i i would have to say though ea was probably was by far the weakest you know and we were there at ea play after the after the uh event they had like an anthem you know demo which is pretty cool but then like mostly sports games you know which i know they ha- those have their audience but they just, they don't show well to, I think, gamers that are like that aren't really invested into those games. And also, they had that Command and Conquer disaster. Jeez. Yeah, as someone who grew up playing the Command and Conquer games, it's like it, that game might be good. Uh, might be it does not demo well. It's not the type of game you would sort of bring towards that, especially when you have like a professional shoutcaster. Uh, yeah, that that that, that that whole esports presentation of it was a, re- a really bad idea. Yeah, the Madden stuff. Uh, they bought Juju from the Steelers on stage with Chad. <laughs> The, the guy who got the belt for the Madden uh, Cup that they do, uh, but boy, uh, it, it's it's every time that stuff shows up, people seem to roll their eyes for the most part. I mean, this, those games are good, and I personally thought it was cool that Madden's going to be on PC again because I thought that was always that's, that's, neat. that is true. It's been yeah. a long time. Oh yeah, and uh, there's some really dedicated bases out there that like to keep the rosters updated or mess around with the player models, that kind of thing, uh, and improve the mechanics of the game just through mods. But still, you know, it's 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 always kind of bizarre. Uh, so let's finish off with, uh, I mean, I'll, of course, share mine later, but Brian, this was your second E3. Uh, obviously, you the first E3 was what Kyle was talking about before. It was sort of a, a disaster in terms of, of, of human traffic uh, around the place, but let's kind of hone in on the conferences themselves. Um, do you agree with everybody else as far as the goods that Microsoft brought, or do you uh, have a different opinion about that? Well, I feel like a general trend that it it seems like all of the third parties kind of came up short some shorter than others like ubisoft we you kind of never know exactly what they're going to show but they do have the capability of wowing people they did it way back when in 2013 with watchdogs they did it with beyond good and evil you can argue whether or not those were worthy of it by the end but they have the capability and they didn't show it bethesda had the, they didn't show very much of Starfield, and um, obviously Elder Scrolls Six was nothing more than a name drop. EA, we never really expected a whole lot more. So, and then obviously Square Enix kind of didn't show 
what people were most anticipated for. So it feels like they all kind of came up short. And then one specific shortcoming that I was surprised on was Fallout's big game this year is Fallout. Sorry, Bethesda's big game this year was Fallout 76. And we, we saw a little teaser at Microsoft and we saw a little more at Bethesda, but then that was kind of it. We didn't see it on the show floor. It wasn't, as far as I know, available for appointment. And it comes out in five months. Like I wanted to know more and I wanted to try it or at least talk to someone about it. And there's, it wasn't really there. What they had on the floor was just some sort of like carnival interactive experience, and like nothing really to do with the game. So I felt like Bethesda, I would say, is my most disappointing conference. Makes sense, and you and you also felt like Microsoft uh, was arguably the best of it. Yeah, I don't want to just kind of repeat what other people have said, but <laughs> I really don't see how you can go through this E3 and really. I feel like Sony could have been a lot better, but th- that the the presentation, I don't feel like they gained much of anything from that. From the, the way that it's like, even if it even if it was a smoother transition, like what what did that Last of Us demo really gain from a specific venue like that? I feel like not a whole lot. It's it. I don't see how it was beneficial, even in concept. The games they showed were good, but the presentation, the format was just so so bad. Yeah, I mean, at least it, they, it was especially weird. It was especially weird because on the show floor, they, like Sony PlayStation had a big kind of theater area. And they were just showing the trailers there, like The Last of Us Part Two, you know, the same one that they showed at their conference. And I, at that point, it's like, why didn't they just show this in that theater rather than, not that theater, but when they showed the rest, where they showed the rest of the conference rather than that little barn? Like it just kind of, it felt really pretentious to, it, to do that. And it, it kind of felt useless and pointless. Just. It, it did sort of feel that way. I mean, it was clear that people that looked at like the show floor map, they were clearly just kind of taking up the space that Microsoft left because they uh, moved their entire operation to the Microsoft Theater, where they were also holding their fan fest. Uh, still technically part of E3, unlike EA, where it was all the way out in Hollywood, uh, where they held their press conference. Um, but yeah, like I'm totally with you guys in, in almost every respect because... Microsoft seems way more eager about trying to kind of get in back in the good graces of the gaming community after uh, the real failure that it was the Xbox One launch. It's like they're still, five years later, still sort of licking their wounds after dealing with all the backlash that they experienced and how general consensus and the sort of the uh, bigger audience out there, even people that don't really play video games that much, uh, all had sort of negative opinions about the decisions that they made as far as marketing, even if they backtracked a lot of that stuff you know the damage was done but uh you know this is the kind of stuff where you know if you're looking at say just in terms of presentation definitely microsoft because you're talking about as they said 50 games i think they said there were 20 exclusive premieres 18 uh console exclusive stuff uh i might be messing with my numbers there but uh, they just had a lot to show and you know it, it goes to sort of that thing that was being discussed before with um, adam you said that like you know this sort of um uh beholden to a, con- a certain console uh, that people kind of grew up on uh, or have a strong uh 
attachment to that you know if it was sony doing all those games you know they a lot of those games that sony shows are also multi-platform um but you know they did at least have some of their exclusives at play like i would not be surprised surprised if death stranding shows up on a different platform um but i think like if i'm not mistaken i think death stranding is a just a time exclusive uh, even if they're using the uh horizon zero dawn engine for their technology but uh you know like uh, remedies controls definitely going to be on a, on a multiple platforms uh neo 2 could very well show up on pc just like the original did resident evil 2 remake definitely going to be on there derasini uh likely going to be on uh you know oculus rift and um uh the vive at some point but you know for the most part it, it's just it, it's been interesting to see sort of the reaction to a lot of these conferences i will definitely agree with you guys microsoft definitely did the best uh, despite the fact that as they said uh there were many multi-platform games there's still a lot of great stuff that they showed and kind of what i was discussing before you know there was other games that they also had like the demo for metro exodus if I'm not mistaken, it's not like Jim Cummings was doing some of the voiceover work. I could have sworn I heard his voice when he's starting off that trailer. Uh, I might have to confirm that later. But I'm also he does a lot of stuff. Yes, yes, he does his little Russian accent. That was uh, kind of interesting. I don't know if it's it's Russian or you know, um, uh, uh, like um, a different type. But uh, there was also they had Forza Horizon Four, and I'm a huge fan of Three, and that was great to see. And the news that they bought out Ninja Theory huge considering they developed uh heavenly sword you know for the ps3 it's like now that uh it's going to be interesting to see what ninja theory can do with a big budget because their last few titles have definitely not been that they're probably tired of that life and they want to see what they can accomplish and microsoft is all too willing to help out on that stuff so it dmc2 yes let's let's hope for that it'd be kind of hilarious to see uh as far as uh, I mean, you know, there was also some great stuff from Nintendo. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's they continue to be a very exciting company, so that that was great to see. Um, you know, aside from Sony, as far as the sort of the most disappointing, because yeah, even if Neo Two was shown, I've I've got real like love hate relationship with Neo. Uh, they did the Onimusha thing where you can turn into an Oni. So perhaps if they've learned their lesson, I, I'll be excited for that. But otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like just like EA, they had a real mess on their hands in terms of trying to organize their press conference and they didn't really know what to do. EA continues to kind of uh, circle the drain in, in terms of trying to figure out how to best present this. And this year didn't seem any different, even if they had a professional host this time uh, taking care of the, the hosting duties, as it were. Uh, but yeah, I, I would also agree that EA didn't uh, help that much. They didn't do so great. Uh, and I just want to say, just, just to just to give, just to give EA their fair due. Like they did last year, show a way out, and this year show that sea of solitude. They're very you know yes. small sparks in surrounded by stuff that's not as great. But I, I wanted to at least say one positive thing about them that they are kind of showing those smaller developers and also um, unravel too. Just. They are giving some space to those smaller titles. Yeah. They almost feel like the highlights of the show, of their show, which is weird. And that's kind of, I think, what people are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that they're willing to devote the time to something other than like a sizzle reel uh, is always nice to see. You know, and like Microsoft had Tunic, which looks amazing. Apparently, that's been at a few different PAXs. Uh, I didn't realize that, that it's been around for a bit. But it was great to see. And yeah, Sea of Solitude, that's also been around for a couple of years now, uh, just in development. But just seeing that stuff come together and seeing how earnest and, and you know, 
nice the presenters are you know like the genuinely happy people to people that are really happy to be there on stage to present their game sony got rid of that you know they don't have the iheart indies uh sort of label anymore they still reach out to them but for the most part it feels like that initiative is far from uh you know coming back they're they're they've got their big titles and they don't need the indies anymore which is kind of sad to see so let's kind of uh you know this this isn't intended to be a very long podcast you know we just kind of wanted to focus on our highlights so now we'll kind of go around uh once again and i want to talk about what uh what your real like highlights of the of the show floor experience was so we all had some pretty good appointments uh, on the floor but we also were able to kind of get into some other stuff that we really wanted to see at some point uh even if we weren't originally assigned to that so i wanted to first talk to natalie uh, since it was your first D three once again, uh, I want to give you like a, maybe a, 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 we've also got like a ton of stuff that we're working on. So give me just a couple of your real like your highlights of the show for you as as a as as an attendee. Mm, so highlights of the show, um, I have to say that I think EA definitely missed an opportunity to make Anthem playable because. Uh, the trailer itself was a bit of a highlight for me just because I, I love Bioware and I love their games a lot. But, um, I mean, I almost was able to I'll be allowed to squeeze in to see and to, like, play Anthem. But, unfortunately, like, it was all booked and nobody gave up their appointment. So <laughs> I wasn't able to do that. I'm still sad. Uh, but I know that it would have been, like Alex says, like, I know that it would have been special if I had played it. Um, I enjoyed the presentation that we saw at EA Play in and of itself. Like, I thought it was, you know, it was pretty cool to watch. Um, I'm definitely interested to see more, and I do think we desperately need to see more. Um, because I'm, I'm like, cautiously optimistic at most. It's a lot better than just, like... Ugh, like kind of groaning and anticipation and like nervousness like I was before but uh, I think we definitely still need more but it was a highlight to see more of it at the C3 um, Cyberpunk was great I loved everything about the demo uh, except for one thing which I am writing an article about um, but I mean nonetheless it was definitely a treat it was a visual spectacle uh, it was amazing to finally see the game um, a 50 minute demo as well that's a lot uh, more than you get with other games um, so yeah I really loved that one and I think the last one I'll mention was Kingdom Hearts 3 me and you played it together oh, and okay. you played the Toy Story part but I so your Toy Story part the Toy Story uh, part of the demo was 20 minutes and the Olympus part of the demo was 10 minutes so overall it was like a 30 minute demo but I feel like the Olympus part was 10 minutes because it was so good like <laughs> it, it's kind of unfair like I, while I was playing it I was like oh, this is kind of unfair. Like, yeah, Zach got to hear Rex say Bahamut, but here I am, like, <laughs> fighting a Titan, and it's the scale of that game that's just, like, utterly unbelievable. And it was just a highlight to finally play this game that I've been waiting so long for, like, ever since I was, like, a little tadpole just waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 to come out, and now it's finally a thing that I was able to play, and that was a really special moment. Uh, so that was definitely a highlight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, know, and I know this isn't part of the E3 show floor, but you also got to see the concert that they showed right before E3. Oh, yeah, that was 
that that was probably my biggest highlight of the entire trip. That concert was magical, uh, and I think it was a really nice. You know, I, I think Square Enix should do that more often. Just kind of like, um, like I liked that they revealed the release date to a room of people that were just like fans at their core, uh, and they they did it early on. They didn't drag it out like stay tuned for the conferences on an update, and then at the conference, hey, we delayed the game. Uh, they you know <laughs> didn't hesitate with it. Like they need to make decisions like that a bit more often, I think. Um, but yeah, that was a real highlight. Oh, and I I didn't mention, but Soul Calibur Six. I know that we don't cover it, but as an aside note, that is you know so fun to play. I loved playing as Geralt. Loved playing as old characters, like right. classics from the series. It was really fun, and the line was really quick, thankfully. Uh, so that was also a highlight of my E3 experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to just hear, of course, the relevant highlights, just your general ones, you know, like the, even if the games are not anywhere related to the stuff that we typically cover, I'd still love to hear it because I think it's important to show that, you know, obviously we play way more than just RPGs. Uh, as you said, we like play fighting games. And I mentioned I love Forza, and I, I'm excited for that, mostly because of the fan community able to create like all these different decals like i drive around with a giant girls on panzer buggy which is kind of hilarious to see sometimes but that's yeah that, that's great to see and uh like you mentioned before i mean you you attended the kingdom arts concert the orchestra concert that they uh, announced last year you've got uh, your impressions of that with kyle up on the site you've also got your uh, impressions of the theater demo that we saw at the ea play event uh you know, and uh, I think that who did the uh, anthem preview? That actually was that Alex or me? It was you. You also got to, uh, the yeah. hands-on demo. I think oh wait, no, the hands-on demo. No, I, I did the hands-off demo. I think Alex might be working on something like that, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, yes, I think so. I know. Yeah, the hands-on demo was very limited. I think it was even like more limited than the cyberpunk hands-off demo. Oh, um, yeah, that yeah. was 50 minutes long. It was like it was at, it was actually at like the Nvidia. Booth. yeah like area and not ea it's kind of weird it is so. it is weird it is weird um you know it's it's weird that that game is out in february but it still seems so far off by the way that they presented it but uh at least we got to see some actual gameplay during that demo that yeah uh we at the ea conference got to got to see ourselves um so uh adam then actually yeah let me move on since you are of course the other person who's this was your first e3 and so i'm I'm eager to hear what your highlights were and uh you know what basically what you're most excited to see and once again it doesn't have to be rpgs or okay so i want to say three things yes um first of all i saw the cyberpunk demo with natalie and i thought it was (laughs) yeah i thought it was was, again a hands-off demo but it was almost an hour-long presentation so they showed a lot um and it was really interesting. Now, the thing in my case is I've never actually played The Witcher. Um, I know some people are a little bit upset, not too much, but it is clearly that uh, CD Projekt is it, this. The Cyberpunk is not The Witcher 2077. It's a different type of RPG. Yes, being first person, uh, having an emphasis on like on gun weaponry. Uh, obviously it's not you know mystical fantasy anymore it's modern postmodern uh cyberpunk obviously yeah but they showed a lot in terms of like um how you explore and navigate this city area it's completely seamless um there's a lot of verticality to it so it's not just like a sprawling area it's actually dense lots of people lots of npcs um the animations were of like npcs and the models was really nice 
uh, how the UI works uh, in first person, it's pretty obvious that they are really making this, uh, how do I put it? Brian wrote about this in his preview for the site, how like this is a story from the first person perspective of V, your main character. And it's kind of putting the, the game in that perspective. You are V. So, but they also showed how like quests and dialogue options and choices you make can affect how things are turning out. And it was pretty convincing uh, the way they did that. So that was really cool to see. And I'm really interested to try it out. It yeah. sounds like it might be a couple years off yet, but yeah, it, it, there's some, some speculation that like uh, Edel school six, that it might be waiting to the next generation, but you know, I think CD project, I think CD project stated that yes, they are planning for this to be on current generation consoles. That's we'll see. Right. Uh, right. So, but it was really cool. Now, this second one is actually kind of might be a kind of a, an awkward answer for me. So Kyle and I actually got to go to Warner Brothers. And <laughs> oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> yes, and we got to see Hitman Two. Um, now neither of us had played the original Hitman, and we, you know, we weren't really, we didn't really know what we were in for. So we didn't, we weren't really planning on seeing Hitman Two. We were just kind of invited to see games, and that's what they showed us. Um, and it was. A blast! Just Kyle got a chance to 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 play. I just kind of had to watch um, the presentation. Kyle playing and the Warner Brothers rep kind of guiding him through it. Uh, but it was just a blast to watch that demo. It was about thirty minutes, actually maybe longer than that, of Kyle. Uh, I'll let him Beating talk about it more later. He uh, he is not a very stealthy hitman. <laughs> so like, not very sneaky. The game is kind of surprising in how like tangible the world is like what i mean by that like the levels are really dense and there's a lot going on and it's not like the typical game where you think like oh you're just gonna go from objective to objective like so like the uh the guy that was guiding me through the demo bless him um he was like okay so basically i had to kill my target was this lady that was she was a indy car uh or like indy 500 car driver and she was racing her car around the track with a bunch of others and my my goal was to the goal the mission objective was to kill her or she was the target and there are two ways to do it the guy said he said you can snipe her from the rooftop or you can um plant a bomb on our car so i'm like okay so which is more fun he says planting the bomb on our car i'm like okay because this you have to remember this car is moving right now like um well basically what happened is like they're like okay so he's like okay so you need to uh get a uh a security guards outfit and then you need to go into the vip area but watch out for the guys with little dots above their heads because uh they might get suspicious of you even if you have a security guard attire on so i walked right into one of those guys with the white dots by accident basically yes and then <laughs> and then i walked out of the vip area and there was like 12 security guards with weapons chasing me and it <laughs> what what was funny about it is just because like it, it, they would keep <laughs> funneling into this bathroom i was hiding in and then i would like break their necks as like like i'd punch them and then i knock them down and then break their necks and it, it got right. to a point where there was like six right. ba- guards in the bathroom just piled up and it kept that happened a few times as adam knows um he, it just kept having he, he like fucked up the stealthiness part of it like four or five times. Uh, just kind of like ended up, he, he kind yeah. of ended up just punching everybody, including like <laughs> random civilians that had 
that were not like yeah. suspicious of them at all. That's just accidentally just... <laughs> it was it was really fun though because it was that, that's what I mean though is like it was one of those like because at one point he's like okay uh now you have to go follow um the IndyCar or the the pit crew driver you need to get his uniform because I guess the idea is like you disguise yourself as a pit crew guy and that's when you plant the bomb on her car when she like comes in but like i followed this guy and then i and then he's like okay go into the back and then i'm like i'm going i'm like i'm gonna go in through the kitchen and he's like oh no no don't go into the kitchen and then the chef is like ah sacre bleu and then i had to like knock him out um and <laughs> no he didn't actually say sacre bleu um, and, um that's offensive, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah uh uh but uh yeah it was it was bad um we yeah, swear Cal isn't actually like that in real life, and he's okay. not hiding some like inner, you know, inner, yeah. desire yeah. to like punch everything. He's a lot of aggression. Yes, it was. It was. I was. It was really fun though, because I had no interest in Hitman ever before. But it was just like, look, you love like, hitting everything in sight. We got it. No, no, that felt that felt like bad because like they. <laughs> what was hilarious as well is like the way that AI reacts is kind of like. I feel like it was on super easy or something Um, because like there was one part where when I was inside the kitchen and like the guy like ran up to the guard would run up to me and I'd knock him out. And there's all these like, like guests in the same hallway and they're just like, just looking like kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And there's just bodies everywhere. So eventually I fucked up so bad that I couldn't put the bomb on the, the lady's car because Oh god, this is so bad because I, because I, I knocked got, out all the other mechanics. <laughs> yeah, I not. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. No, I, I went up to one mechanic and I was supposed to talk to her and I hit the punch button instead, yeah, like accident. <laughs> um, and eventually he's like, I'm like, he's like, oh, I don't think you can win this at all. You're pretty much screwed. And I'm like, what's the other option? He's like, oh, you still might be able to get the sniper rifle. And I disguised myself as a pink flamingo, ran across the whole level with a few people chasing me, got a crowbar. Got the sniper rifle. Eventually, got up onto the roof and completed the mission. <laughs> That's the best. I still part. did it. Yeah. That's the hitman in a nutshell. It's it. You don't I have think, to play it selfie. It's just an option, really. I think the cool I thing about not that demo, I though. Think... Sorry, I just think the cool thing about that demo, though, like it's pretty obvious that everyone does it differently. Like a lot of the other demos on the show floor, everyone kind of just experiences the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this demo is pretty obvious, you know, that's just the Hitman style of game where everyone approaches it differently. And yes. like, I'm sure some people just did it really stealthily and sneakily and uh, succeeded without much headache. But it's, it was just really, really fun uh, to watch it even. So now the third thing I wanted to mention actually isn't a demo, but something I just think is really interesting is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like Assassin's Creed is obviously a huge Ubisoft biggest brand probably, right? Um, now, last year, our site started covering Assassin's Creed because they basically stated outright, this is an RPG now. And they added leveling, and uh, it's always had sort of, you know, RPG elements, the like quests and, well, some quests and stuff. But leveling, more of a quest design. Uh, they revamped the combat completely, basically, with Origins. Yeah. And so we started covering it. And this year, they're basically taking that another step. You know, obviously, it's with Origins, there was about a two-year break before it. They took a year off. Um, this this is kind of a uh, more direct follow-up, but they're adding more elements that RPG fans are familiar with, like dialogue choices and romance. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think what's especially interesting about it, with like Western RPGs, with Bioware going more of the Divinity route, or not Divinity, Destiny route, not Divinity, so where it's kind of like this cooperative... Uh, 
RPG action sort of thing. I don't know what you want to call that. Online, not not like not quite MMO, but you get what I'm saying. Shared and then, world. yeah, shared world. And then uh, Cyberpunk going more of this first person style rather than what they've had been doing with Witcher. Uh, it feels like, in a way, to me, anyways, that Assassin's Creed Odyssey is kind of substituting uh, people what they maybe were looking for in. Uh, Bioware games, like maybe in Mass Effect or Dragon Age Origins, or Dragon Age in general, or in The Witcher, it's obviously more uh, historical, you know, kind of historical fiction. Yeah. But being that third-person open-world RPG with romances and things like that, uh, people like Natalie, and I've seen, you know, a lot of people who maybe have not been previously interested in Assassin's Creed willing to give this one a try because it kind of... With Bioware and CD Projekt trying something a little bit different for both of them, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is kind of that more familiar type of RPG, I think. Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, well, personally... Did you it's... play Odyssey? Or... Go ahead. I, I did not play Origins. Or did you play Odyssey on the show floor? No, I I wandered the area and I saw like the demo, but I didn't actually get a chance to play it. Too many people. Yeah, I know that Brian got to play it. Yeah, so, so what did you think? I haven't played I haven't played Assassin's Creed since like Brotherhood, so it's way different and I had to do some reading to see like what's new to me and what's new to the game. And it seems like the big change in Odyssey that Origins doesn't have is that you can map skills that you'll learn through the level up system to the face buttons. Specifically, you hold the left bumper and then you can use any of the face buttons to perform a skill and I think it depends on the weapons you have equipped. So in the demo, you have a sword in your right hand and a dagger in your left. Uh, so what that allows you to do is that one of the skills allows you to like strip shields from enemy units using the dagger and like throw it back at them. Another skill was like a Sparta kick. Cause of course it was. Um, and another skill was like a self heal. So it actually felt like, Oh, and then the last thing to mention is that these skills all draw from like an adrenaline type skill bar that you fill by defeating enemies, dodging with good timing or parrying. And um, the cool thing was to me, and again, I'm not 100% sure what's all new, new, and what's just new to me, but like multiple enemies can engage you. So it's not like in some games, like you lock onto an enemy and all the other enemies will just kind of float around and ignore you. Yeah. That's what it was for a long time. <laughs> right. Like, so one of the, one of the, the named boss from the demo, the same one shown in one of the press conferences, Diocles, um, started charging at me. And then there was another shielded guy with a spear also attacking me at the same time. So it wasn't just like, um, it wasn't made simple just because you could lock onto one. So I actually had to kind of do, do some kiting mechanics, strip the shield from the from his from his friend, uh, take him out from a distance, then focus on the um, uh, on the boss. And you you fill your adrenaline bar by dodging, but you can also fill it further by parrying with good timing. But at the same time, the boss has certain attacks that can't be parried. So I actually found it like, wow, this is actually engaging compared to Assassin's Creed Brotherhood where it's all just parrying with good timing. Like you just kind of sit on the defensive and counter everyone. So I actually like found myself genuinely surprised at how much I enjoyed the uh, the demo. And it was it wasn't easy. Like apparently a lot of people had were losing the demo and not able to they would just like respawn and die and respawn and die. And that was the extent of the demo experience. But I I was able to to beat it and then try out the naval combat. So it feels like it has the possibility of being a mechanically interesting and challenging game from a from a combat standpoint. And that's in addition to the RPG dialogue and the romance and everything that Adam mentioned. So I'm I'm excited for it. And I haven't played an Assassin's Creed in like eight years. That's that's 
very similar to the experience I've got that I haven't played it since Brotherhood either. So that'd be probably the best way to pick it back up. Uh, what were, and so since Brian, you were talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, of course, is that what were a couple of your other highlights of the show then besides that? Uh, I did also see Cyberpunk. Um, I'm not exactly sure what all I can say that Adam or Natalie haven't already stated. Um, I did get the, a chance to interview one of their quest designers who had also previously worked at Obsidian, who I'm also a fan of. So it went, that was a really cool experience. And I got to ask him a few questions. Obviously, that'll go up on the site. But one highlight that I do want to say is I kind of asked him that everyone has their own idea of what cyberpunk is. Some people think Blade Runner. Some people think The Matrix. A very small number of people might actually think of Cyberpunk 2020, the tabletop game that the game, the video game actually borrows from. And one thing that wasn't immediately clear in the demo was how much of an important factor it is that Cyberpunk 2077 takes place in a fallen America, in a city in New California. So like the premise of the, of the world is here is an independent state basically lying in the remnants of an America whose government has collapsed. And like, I think that's like really interesting. Like that doesn't come through in the demo, which is gameplay focused, but it, it kind of, it kind of opens the door for interesting narrative threads on top of the ideas of body augmentation and identity and all the other things that cyberpunk can, the the genre cyberpunk can kind of hold on to. So it kind of shows like, this is, this is their take on it. And this is what they're going to talk about. And it's very, very different from the Witcher. So it's interesting to see CD project tackle it and exactly what sort of, um, what sort of spin they're going to put on it. Definitely. That's, that's exactly what the, the feeling it seems coming away like that and Anthem. People came uh, came away from it feeling pretty positive, uh, all things considered. And so, Kyle, I mean, of course, it sounds like Hitman Two was a bit of a highlight for you. But what else was uh, something? Uh, some of the things that you really enjoyed? It doesn't have to be video games, of course. It can be like uh, an experience you had. But uh, what what were they for you? Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, my absolute favorite thing was definitely the Kingdom Hearts concert. It was just, I think, it was the best live music like video game music performance i've seen i guess i've only seen like three uh yeah three still though still yeah. and distant worlds once and then uh, a performance at fan fest uh, ff14 fan fest a year and a half ago and uh, video games live way back which wasn't very good um but yeah there was just an amazing concert the theater was like extravagant and uh, yeah and then the reveal they had the trailer and it was really the atmosphere was just like very thick just because it was what I mean is like the the fans were there. It wasn't just like, here's a bunch of games journalists or something or influencers. It was actually people that wanted to go see a concert. It was great. I loved it. And as far as like the show itself, um, my highlight obviously was obviously resident evil two. And that's one of my favorite games ever um, just in general. And for a long time now, I was kind of wary about ever seeing this remake because I'm like, um, this it's not so much now, but when the Resident Evil 2 remake was announced, Capcom was in that period where they were not churning out uh, bangers all the time. No, they were trying um, really hard to find the hit, you know. Yeah, which now they're on an amazing roll. Like Capcom, like pretty much ever since Resident Evil 7, it's just been Monster Hunter World and then Devil May Cry and da, da, da. like ever Mega Man 11. Like they are wow, they are back. Yes, um, 180 for sure. But, 
Uh, but Resident Evil 2, I got to try the demo and I got to interview the devs. The demo left an amazingly good impression on me. It was the old police station. It was the old. It was the main hall from the game. Um, but all of it, like I think anyone, like anyone that that likes games, can play this. It's not as like there's not going to be a barrier of entry if you're if you haven't played Resident Evil 2 before because it doesn't play like that game really did. Like the it plays like a traditional. Well, it is a survival horror game through and through, but it's, you're not going to struggle with tank controls or anything like that. It's third third person. Um, third person shooting, it all feels great. Um, the it's very bleak. It was it, it's a lot more violent than I remember Resident Evil Two being. Um, granted, that PS One game, yeah. Um, but uh, it was an extremely good demo, and I I didn't actually get to finish it because I had to go do something. But I did get to one of the reasons I actually didn't get to finish it is because um, there was a really hard puzzle in the demo that apparently the the PR pulse person told me you're the third person today that solved that puzzle, including like the public. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So, and I managed to beat it and uh, it was very nineties survival horror puzzle. Um, a sliding puzzle? It was, <laughs> no, no, it was a password. Um, it took me a while to figure out what I had to do, but I'm like, I have to figure this out now. Um, but it was great. I also really enjoyed soul caliber six. We played that a bunch. It, it plays marvelously and it's been so long. It's been like five years since a soul caliber game and um, Siegfried, my main feels great. Um, yes. Geralt felt great. Um, I was actually, it's amazing how much Geralt, like the way he fights in the Witcher, like, you know, like in the Witcher games, like he kind of, the Witchers always kind of like hold their blades, like kind of above their head and do a bunch of like twirly shit. Like he, he's just like that in soul caliber. It's great. He's such a perfect fit for that, that franchise as a guest character. Yes. Um, it's it's perfect. But um, you know, to to be honest, I didn't try that many games outside of my appointments. Hitman was of of course a spectacular train wreck. Um, uh, I do have to play Mega Man Eleven. Uh, I'm not a Mega Man person, so I struggled with it. It's very hard. Um, I'm sure people that like like Mega Man will love it. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a very good show. Um, those are pretty much my highlights. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all those experiences, I'm sure you're going to treasure. But yeah, that means you, you got to play Hitman now. Uh, moving on to James now. So, uh, of course, you got to check out a number of different games um, behind closed doors, but also on the show floor, of course. You got into some uh, extra demos on the side there. Uh, so, in your case, what were your highlights then? Um, It's kind of hard to pin it down. I feel like there was no big, like, one game that really stood out to me this year compared to previous years. Like, the last two years, obviously, we had uh, Mario, and then before that, you had Zelda. So those are kind of there. But of the games playable, I think the ones I enjoyed the most were probably Mega Man 11, um, Division 2, of all things, and uh, what was the number? Dragon Quest. That's probably it. Oh. Um, yeah, Mega Man is one of those games where you can just play it and it's like, okay, yeah, it's a Mega Man game. Finally getting more of those. Great. <laughs> and uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. I've played a little bit of Dragon Quest in the past. I'm like halfway through Dragon Quest Seven on 3DS and played a little bit of, well, I think I finished the first one, the SNES version. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a smaller E3 for me. It was my first with, um, with RPG site, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
It's good to have you, of course. And it is interesting to have like Magazine Legacy Collection 1 and 2 like right on the side of the booth. And then you go into play Mega Man 11 and just see really how the series has evolved. Even if it's not like visually different, uh, intentionally so, of course. But Mega Man 11, definitely one of those real highlights from the show. I think a lot of people had a really positive experience for that as well. So that's that's good to hear. I mean, for me, just to kind of put a bow on it, I... Uh, I didn't have uh, too many highlights, uh, just because, you know, same as others, you know, uh, like, I just really enjoyed my time there, uh, and from everything that I got to see, I love being able to check out Zone of the Enders uh, Second Runner again in VR, I did that at PSX, but being at the Konami booth, that was that was great fun, uh, being able to talk to one of the producers there was, was really nice to have that, also got to meet the producer of uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4, and talk with him along with Josh, uh, who isn't with us on this podcast, but he's going to be handling the interview portion, one of the the article for that so uh, you'll be able to find out how excited the producer was to talk about everything including Ragnarok the dog uh, he really liked the he really appreciated the fact that someone finally brought up Ragnarok because I think that no one really asked him about the dog yet uh, but for me that's like the highlight of the game right there so that that was fun um, also got to check out the Polymega I know James you did too but it's this really sweet looking retro focused game console that's supposed to try to allow you to play your old uh, console games up to like the PlayStation 1 so a lot of like um, a lot of SNES, NES, TurboGrafx, Sega CD, Mega CD, all the variants there. Being able to play physical games like that and be able to back it up to a console like that seems really awesome. I've got a review up on, uh, excuse me, an interview up on the site for that as well, where I talked to Brian, the CEO of the company that's making it, uh, and just looks really awesome. And um, also, uh, speaking of which, getting, being able to finally visit that retro game camp. Uh, this really awesome uh, video game store in little Tokyo, right near the convention center, uh, about a mile away from there, that is filled with only import titles. And so I picked up about five or six games from there. I'm excited to be able to check those out, uh, including Alkahest, an all-time favorite of mine that I finally played about four years ago. And just uh, excited to have a, a physical version of that in my possession. So that was great. And finally, you know, it was really being able to meet all you guys again you know that was that was exciting because i i wasn't able to attend last year so i didn't get to see uh brian's first e3 but being able to meet brian of course and adam for the first time kyle uh natalie and, and james getting to being able to see you guys once more and of course josh and alex it's always great to be able to um you know that that's the kind of the biggest thing for me as far as e3 is concerned and why i'm always looking forward to coming back is being able to see you all uh, again um and, uh, you know, put a lot of it, it's like faces to names, you know, including not just the staff, obviously, but also being able to interact with the PR people that have been really helping us out as a site. You know, we were founded way back in 2006, and it seems like every year we're growing pretty tremendously. And it's a lot of it has to do with your guys' help uh, and the people that uh, came before us and the ones that are sure to come after. And so I'm always really happy um, to see the response that we get and being able to hear from people from like Capcom and, you know, you're talking about. Brian was talking about the quest designer. He had heard of us as RPG said. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked to him in the past, and he's a fan of ours. And so being able to hear that kind of response really encourages us, I feel. And kind of, in a way, um, also, uh, at least uh, I can't speak for you guys, of course, only for myself, but it's, it's very humbling uh, to hear that kind of stuff when people say that they appreciate the fact that we're not just 
posting news, but we're also sharing trivia and other things on social media and elsewhere that people can appreciate and get to know more about the genre and, and the relevant stuff that we cover. And uh, every day, it feels like we, we get something fresh, uh, a fresh perspective. And hopefully, we get to the point where people are recognizing us as we walk around. That's kind of what, for me, it would be like an exciting opportunity to be able to have that. But we sometimes get that already. And, and you know, every year, once again, it, it makes uh, RPG site uh, all the work that we've put into it and all the work that we we still have in front of us um, all the more worth it. You know, it's 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 been it's been incredible. Uh, and uh, this year, this E3 was another record breaking uh, event for us. And we just want to continue to push the envelope of uh, what you know a site like ours is able to accomplish. So I'm excited to see what everyone here is able to do for us as a site and and what else uh, we have just on the horizon. So. That's kind of um, the wrap-up that I wanted to do for E3 2018. Uh, it's an exciting show. Uh, like I said, we got to see a lot of stuff. Uh, we got a lot of coverage up on the site, a lot of previews, a few interviews for you all to check out. Um, some more coverage to come. We've also got some games that we are currently reviewing, uh, uh, including ease 8 for the switch uh the last child and some other games uh that we've we've got coming up um so please look please look forward to that on rpgsite.net and if you'd like to see some of the other coverage including all the pictures that we shared and other thoughts uh you can follow us on twitter uh which is the uh twitter.com slash rpg site that's our handle you can also follow us on youtube youtube.com slash rpg site net which will have some video coverage for as well our facebook channel facebook.com slash rpg site net you can always subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app to search for RPG Site. Uh, Tetracast, you can find us on there. You can also check us out on our permanent Discord link, discord.me slash RPG Site. Uh, we'll, of course, be archiving the E3 channel that we've got, uh, so we just encourage people to kind of jump on the general chat there and talk to us more about your thoughts. That you know, The discussion never ends. It'll just continue on from here. Um, but finally, I'd like to leave it with Sharon, where you guys can check us out on Twitter, uh, where we also kind of tweet our thoughts about the show itself. But of course, you can always learn more about us. So where can they find you, Kyle? Uh, you can find me passed out in a ditch. <laughs> yes, as always. <laughs> Uh, uh, people for days too. <laughs> you can find me at at levito on twitter that's at l-e-v-i-t-0 most of my tweets are nonsense so enjoy that absolutely uh brian where can they find you uh zeo masicot z-e-o-m-a-s-s-i-c-o-t uh nelly where can they find you you can find me in hartimisha that's heart i-m-e-c-i-a adam K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. And James. You can find me at the sweet at T-H-E-S-W-W-E-E-T. You can find me at Zach Reese. And once again, uh, they weren't part of this podcast, but I also want to definitely thank uh, Josh and Alex a lot, uh, Alex especially, uh, because uh, he was obviously a big reason for why we were all able to attend the show, so many of us. Uh, he helped us get there and, and you know, stay, uh, for many of us, stay in a, in a nice hotel slash hostel. Uh, but it was nice to be able to attend the show uh, from a, a couple of us for the very first time. And hopefully going forward, we'll be able to continue that tradition. Uh, so, yes, uh, thank you once again through Kyle, Brian, Natalie, Adam, James uh, for being a part of this podcast. And now we're back to our regular schedule. So everyone out there, catch, uh, catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast, a normal edition. Bye, everyone.